Well, uh, good morning. Um, my name is TJ. Um, I'm the youth pastor here at Calvary Chapel South, and um, my actual full name is actually Terry Jorge Merglot III. Um, it was actually intended to be Terry George Merglot III, but my dad thought it would be genius to change my middle name to a G to a J so he can call me the name TJ. I don't think he realized that it, the pronunciation changed as well, but what can you do? Well, good morning, you guys. Welcome to Youth Sunday. I am so excited to be here, to have the honor to be able to teach to you this morning, um, just the honor to be able to share about what God is doing in the lives of our students in our, in our ministry, and just, um, just the honor that while, while Pastor Kevin is um, recovering from surgery, that, um, that I get to be able to teach off the stage that God built through his ministry. It's just, it's just so cool. I, I was thinking, um, I don't know um, if you know this, but I think the number one fear actually uh, in, in, from all around is public speaking. I was thinking about it, in, uh, in, in even just in worship, and, and there's just this piece that came over me because I realized, I just started thinking about who is in this room, and I started to realize there's so many people in this room that love me, and that even in our fears, when we know we have people with us, I mean, that's just something powerful, and I would just hope that you guys have an expectation that even though it's you Sunday, regardless of your age, that God has something to speak to you through his word this morning, amen? And um, before we jump into this word, I want to kind of just talk about what's going on as a youth ministry. About two and a half years ago, I joined staff as the middle school pastor here at Calvary Chapel South, and for about two years, up until about five months ago, um, I, I had the privilege um, to be a part of a restructure where I now overlook both middle school and high school. And the thing I'm most excited to share about within this change is the whole dynamic of what our Sunday mornings look like as a church. That every single Sunday morning, I would just encourage you that, um, that you would know if you, have any, if, if you have any kids a part of our youth ministry, if you have um, a, a nephew, a niece, somebody, even just a student that you know deeply and you care about, that on Sunday mornings, we meet together in the fellowship hall, both middle school and high school for worship, just, just like the worship team. And what they did an amazing job. Shouts out to worship team. You guys were phenomenal. Killed it. Um, we meet together in worship, and then after we break off, and every, every single Sunday morning to the middle school, I actually teach the same chapter a week behind that Pastor Kevin is teaching to the mains. And actually, in high school, at the same time, what we do is our Sunday morning for high school is really focused on small group and discipleship, but we focus it around actually a short clip from Pastor Kevin's message the week prior. So every single week, your students are hearing Pastor Kevin's message, hearing the same chapters and studies that you're going through. And this is just us as a youth ministry trying to be intentional to be one family, one church. And my prayer would be that on a Sunday morning when you hear Pastor Kevin teach, that your prayer wouldn't just be, God, what do you have for me in this word? But what are you going to tell my son? What are you going to tell to our family? And I hope that this, this, this structure that we do on Sunday mornings, and of course we have our, our big service on Wednesday nights for high school as well, but of what, God, are you going to speak to my family as a whole? And I hope that this would open up a door at the dinner table where you guys can talk about, wow, wasn't it so cool about the covenant that God had with Abraham? 
wow, wasn't it so cool seeing God work his way through creation? And I would just encourage you parents and, and, and mentors and people in this room that look after our younger generation with me, because it's a family, right? That your prayer, your expectation is not just for you, but for us as a whole. Amen? Amen. So within that, also today's Youth Sunday, because Anna mentioned it, the video mentioned it, but you know what? You got to hit it three times in a row, right? So today we're doing a huge fundraiser at the end of service. We're going to be selling Bobby's, so you know it's good, right? Bobby made some delicious barbecue pulled pork sandwiches. We've been grilling some corn, some chips, and every single penny of that goes directly to a student that can't afford to get to camp and you helping them. And um, I know you're going to eat today. We all do. We all will. Might as well eat and help a kid go to camp. So um, (laughs) with that being said, um, I'm just excited to dive into what we have. And um, we're going to do our study today. We're going to be covering a little bit of uh, Ephesians chapter 3, branch into chapter 4, and a little bit of other scriptures all around. But um, as every single Sunday, what we do, Pastor Kevin asks congregation as a whole to stand up and let's read the word of God together. So you have a Bible. I would like you to flip your Bible to Ephesians chapter 3 and we're going to start on verse 14. We also have a slide. And excuse me for screaming sometimes when I talk. I'm a loud person. Um, Verse 14 For this reason I bow my knees to the Father, that our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to his riches and glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all of the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge, that you be filled with the fullness of God, and that to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, we just thank you this morning, God. We thank you, God, that you are so good and so faithful. I pray, God, that this, this morning, uh, that the words that I speak, God, let it be guided by your spirit, God. I pray, God, that our time that we have, I pray that it would just be this, this unique softening of our hearts for one another, but God, even just this expectation that you are going to speak to us. We believe in you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for dealing with us, because we are a lot to deal with. <laughs> thank you for living for us, for dying for us, and just thank you for raising for us. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Now, I didn't grow up in church. Um, My first church experience, I was actually 17 years old. My mom's co-worker um, talked her into dragging me and one of my best friends, Jerome, to the service. And we get there. I have no idea what to expect, you know. And... um, Get there, and worship's going on. But to me, it looks like a bunch of people singing with, with words on the screen. So I'm just like, okay, karaoke. Okay, got it. Okay, okay karaoke. Okay. 
I'm looking around. I'm like, is there like a request log around here? Can we change up the genre a little bit? I've never heard these songs before. Um, I didn't get it, right? And, um, and I'm looking around, and all these people are with their hands out, and some people are just getting it. Some people are just singing, eyes closed, no one's ar- like no one's around them. And um, one person... Uh, <laughs> definitely uh, drew my attention rather quickly. I can talk about this because he was actually my youth leader for years after this, so I feel, I feel okay saying this. Um, but I walk in, and I see this guy, and he's praying, which sounds natural, okay? Worship's going on, prayer. What's the harm in that? There's no harm in that. But while he was praying, he was praying in a way where I felt like he was, like, trying to fight somebody, and, like, like, I mean, like he was, like, slapboxing a demon with every amen. I don't know. I was, I was just confused. It was my first time in a church, and he's just, like, swinging and punching, and um, so I was like, okay, so, uh, I don't know how to take this. And then he would also, during worship, he was looking up the entire time. Now, I'm look, looking at him, trying to look up also. I'm like, am I missing something? And like, like, he's like, it's every prayer is like looking at God's eyes. And, uh, and then it was the same day of communion. So, like, talks of blood and flesh are being passed around. And I'm like, I'm not drinking this Kool-Aid. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> but, so, um, it was a mystery to me. And I'm sure we've all kind of walked into circumstances where we see this whole process, but we don't understand the purpose. I'm sure we walk into circumstances where we see something unfold that's totally unknown to you. Saying, why, why are they doing this? What's the point of this? Where is this going? What is this leading to? What I love here in, um, in, in, this, in the book of Ephesians as a whole, the first few chapters actually has this theme that Paul is writing about, uh, about the mysteries of Christ, the mysteries of knowing God. And he, in it, he in, like Ephesians is actually kind of broken up into two major sections. As we read uh, in, in the passage, he said amen, right? He ended chapter 3 in a prayer and goes right back into chapter 4. So then the next half of the book is really about our application to understanding and searching and finding the mysteries and love that Christ has for us. So I love the scripture. Paul starts off the scripture with this. I get down on my knees. Can you actually bring up the scripture for me, please? He says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of Jesus Christ, whom the whole family of heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to his riches, to be strengthened with the might through his spirit of inner man. Translation, I'm on my knees that you would see God in all of his goodness, that you would see that God has something for you, that you would see that he's good. I'm on my knees because I know it matters. I'm a youth pastor, but even more than that, I'm a parent, and I understand this scripture. I understand being on my knees praying that my sons would grow up and knowing that God has a plan for their life, that there's people in this room, that you probably have people in your life, that on their knees, praying that if only they could see what God has for them. There's people in this room that are on their knees praying, God, if only my son could see, if only my daughter could see, if only my friend, my coworker, my this, my that. Paul approaches this, this is, I need to get on my knees for this matter. And he says, I love this. You can go to actually the next slide in 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, though you being rooted 
and grounded in love. That when you experience the love of Christ, there's this unshakable, immovable rock that we discover that when I build my house, when I build my life on it, I know that it will never fail. And then finally, towards the end of the passage, he kind of leaves in this challenge. He says, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length, depth and height, to know the love of God which passes knowledge. They be filled with the fullness of God. I love this. I love it. It it talks about passing knowledge. So I figure in connection to the scripture, I'd drop a couple things about knowledge of things that we've measured and discovered. So um, the first thing I want to say is our God has width. Say width. Uh, You know, um, actually the largest body of water in the world, I'm sure we're all familiar with it, it's our neighbors, the Pacific Ocean. But do you realize the Pacific Ocean is 63.7 million square miles? That's a big body of water. Someone had to measure that. That was a terrible job. (laughs) Our God has length. Say length. In 2017, they actually measured that America has over 67,000 miles of freeway, and there's still horrible traffic. To put in that perspective, you could actually start in Kent, Washington, and drive to the other corner of the country, Miami, and that would be a little over 3,500 miles. Actually, I have 3,297 miles from Kent, Washington to Miami. You could drive from Kent to Miami 22 times if you took all of the road freeway we have and not have to use the same path. It's pretty impressive. Who's up for a road trip? Our God has depth. Say depth. This was a cool, or, uh, this is cool. So the deepest part of the earth that we've discovered that's not like drilling into the crest is actually called the, the Mariana Rift. And it is 6.7 miles deep. To put that in perspective, you could drop Mount Everest, the highest elevated point in the world, into this trench. And there would still be 1.2 miles before the top of Mount Everest got over the water. Another interesting perspective, I got curious. I was like, okay, I looked online. How, how, how long is a school bus? School bus is 35 feet. So I did the math, and you could literally have a school bus face up and stack 1,011 school buses on top of each other over and over before the first school bus would tip out of the water. That's a deep hole. I do not want to fall in. Our God has height. Say height. The farthest star that we've discovered was actually in 2017 with the Hubble telescope. It's called Icarus. And is 9 billion, with a B, light years away. And these are amazing discoveries. And these are amazing knowledge and and things that our mind has has been able to unpack and lay out and figure out, which is fascinating. Good job, humanity. (laughs) But our God's love passes understanding. That no matter how deep that we measure, that our God's love is deeper. No matter how far out we look, that our God's love passes all 
understanding. I remember this was not my understanding of God. This was not my understanding of love. I grew up, uh, probably like a lot of you, in uh, the face of dysfunction, I would call it. Um, one of my earliest moments that I can remember, maybe, maybe just over four, is being on the floor in the kitchen with my mom. So we're holding each other, weeping. I remember her asking me why my dad left her. I honestly thought, like growing up, that my mom was a vampire. No joke. I like, asked my brother. I was kind of freaked out a little bit. Because <sighs> I'd see my mom go out all night, and me and my brother would watch her sleep all day. And my brother, uh, we were all we had, and we hated each other, yes. <laughs> I was a terrible little brother, and he was a horrible big brother um, with a size advantage, so I had to be just extra terrible as a little brother. Um, <laughs> But our mom was, was, was strung out. Our mom was an addict. His dad was murdered when he was 12. My dad was here for a little bit, gone for a while, here for a little bit, gone for a while. When my dad was around, I can always say he was always intentional to try to make memories. I remember one, one time he took me and my sisters on on. on on, on my dad's side, he, he took us to Camp Casey. Um, has anyone ever been there? It's this old abandoned military base, right? And um, if you've ever been there, you realize, one, it's freaky because it's an old abandoned military base. Um, but he took us there in the middle of the night. And even in the middle of the day, this place is terrifying. Um, he took us there in the middle of the night. And I remember us walking through this old abandoned military base. Don't do it. And he, I remember, he, uh, he turned off the flashlight. And just, you hear, like, just ran off. I'm like, oh, Dad! Right, my sisters are freaking out. They're freaking out. We can't see anything. We don't have cell phones. There's no light I can pop on, right? Like, I'm freaking out. My sisters are crying. They're holding on to me. And I'm, like, telling my little sister, I got you. I don't. I'm actually holding her, like, out in front of me as, like, a human shield. And I'm, like, inching. It's okay, Paige. I got you, right? <laughs> She's like, okay. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, then, and then he would he'd run by and scream again and turn on the light. And it would terrify me every time. And it was hilarious and scary. I remember another time. He, again, he took, he took me and my two sisters out, and we went to these woods. He took us on this, this deep hike. And I remember, we're just walking through. I'm just, I, I'm just excited I could be next to my dad. And the same thing happens. He runs off. Two minutes later, he pops up in the trail behind me and scares us. We laugh, and it's scary. A little bit farther, and he runs off again. Two minutes go by, looking behind us, can't see him. Five minutes go by, Dad! 10, 15, 20, half an hour, me, my little sisters were just crying, we're just in the woods, we're on a trail, we're on the ground, almost an hour goes by, my dad pops out of the bush, hey, I was here, I was watching you the whole time. 
dad's back. My dad ran away to go smoke crack in a bush. And he couldn't bear the shame of being high around his kids. I remember later, my dad ran. He, he, later in life, he, he left. I didn't see him in years. At this time, I was, I was back living with my mom because I was kind of living with different aunts and uncles. And I remember he showed up at our house. Not a phone call, not a nothing. He just shows up. And he's bouncing off the walls. I knew immediately what the state he was in. I knew immediately. But he had my little sister with him. So I just ignore my dad. I grab my little sister. I run upstairs. I said, Paige, it's so good to see you. I miss you. I love you. How are you? And my little sister, I'll never forget this. My little sister looked at me. I said, TJ, how come you don't love me anymore? How come I don't see you? And I just wept. I was just so mad. I was so mad. That goes what my dad did in my life. Now I have to deal with this. I was so mad. I just wanted to be with my dad, but I had a dad that would rather run away. I had a dad that would rather choose. I couldn't tell my little sister this. She was like eight. She was like seven. What was it? No, I do love you. Just dad's a drug addict. No, I do love you. He just hates me. And I had these feelings of frustration and pain, and I just didn't know how to understand the situation. I hated that I had to grow up wishing I had a dad love me, a dad wishing that I had a dad that wanted to love me. I hated that I had to grow up with different aunts and uncles because my mom's state wasn't fit to raise me. I hated that I had to grow up with special ed classes and with middle school and high school just to keep. I hated that I had to grow up and I was getting high and drunk and I was becoming what I hated. Our God is so wide. Say wide. Psalms 103, verse 12, it says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Our God's love has length. Say length. Psalms 136, verse 1, it says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endures forever. Our God has depth. Say depth. Psalms 139, verses 13 through 18, you formed my inward parts and you covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works that my soul knows very well. Your frame was not hidden from you. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret. I'm skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance yet being unformed. And in your book, they were all written, the days fashioned for me, when as they were not yet, uh, when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I wake, I am still with you. He is exceedingly, abundantly above all that we can think or imagine. You know what that means? It means that we can look at a star nine billion miles, nine billion light years away and still know that God's love goes farther. It's uncommon to expect that us and our baggage and our brokenness and our damage, that me being hateful and insecure and angry, that there would be a perfect love, a perfect father that chases after me. 
God knows us fully. Love that he knows us fully. We're so, so, so often, uh, we're so scared to, to show certain people that we love or care about, or maybe we're just trying to make an impression on all the parts of us, because like, I don't, know if they're, I don't know if they're ready to see that part. I don't know if they're ready to see this. And my wife was surprised when she got married to me. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I'm a lot, okay? Um, <laughs> right? We're so scared sometimes to fully show ourselves, but God sees us fully. He sees us fully. He knew full well that you cheated. He knew full well that you lied, that you robbed. He knew full well everything, even before they happened. And he looked at that mess, and he still said, I love it more than they can ever imagine, and I will die for it. Romans chapter 5, verses 5 through 8. It says, now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who's given to us. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrated his love towards us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's uncommon. And in the study in Ephesians chapter 3, um, we're, we're going we're gonna to branch chapter 4 in a second. But one thing that's really important to understand about the Bible and Scripture and everything like that, that they weren't written like chapter 1, verse 1. Paul started oh, chapter 2, verse 2, right? It was written as a letter, as a whole, right? So if I wrote you, if you know that you had this all-important email that was coming from me, so better read it, right? Uh, all important email, you know, how to do with your family, your life, your future, eternity, like really important, like high-level stuff, right? And you read the first sentence, and you just said, eh, the rest probably doesn't apply right now, right? It's one letter, right? It's one continual thought. So I just want to, or each book is one letter. So, um, so we're going to read Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to start on verse 1 and just go to verse 3. So it's the bridge. We just finished chapter 3 when we first started. Now we're going to branch right into chapter 4. It says, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of your calling, which you were called, with all lowliness, gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep unity of the spirit of bond and peace. You know what the key word here is, actually? I'm not going to say it's the most important word. But the key word in this verse, in this passage, is actually therefore. You're like, what? Okay, not love. Love's good too. Um, but it's therefore. And the reason why I say that is therefore is already assuming that you're doing right what's before it. It's saying, as we read in Ephesians chapter 3, about being rooted and grounded in love, about being our inner person, being strengthened through the love of Christ, about searching the height and length and the depth, about this whole journey of life that we have of discovering God's goodness and being filled with his goodness and being changed by his goodness. He says, therefore, therefore, I beseech you to walk worthy of your calling. I heard this quote. Um, I don't actually have the person who wrote it. I should have done that, but I apologize. I'll, I'll, I'll apologize to him in heaven. Um, he said, uh, God has called us to be fishers of men. 
but we've turned it to being keepers of the aquarium. I'm like, man, it's like that, that kind of hurts. God's called us to be fishers of men, but we've turned it to keepers of the aquarium. That's it. Paul's saying, therefore, walk. Another quote that um, one of my favorite uh, teachers, his name is Francis Chan, his book he wrote in the past called Crazy Love. He had this line in it that just, I had to read it like 15 times in a row because I was like, oh, I got to get this. He said, stop assuming that you're good soil. I'm like, Wow. If you don't understand that reference, it's okay. Um, it's a parable that Jesus taught in the Gospels. It's talking about the soil is the state of our heart and the seed is, is the God's word. He stops, stop assuming that we are good soil. I'm going to finish, I'm going to keep reading it. He said, has your relationship with God actually changed the way you live? Do you see evidence of God's kingdom in your life? Or is what God is trying to grow in your life being choked out by the weeds and the thorns. Saying, walk as you have been called. Walk differently. Francis Chan also wrote in one of his recent books, uh, Letters to the Church, amazing book, you should read it. Um, he said something that just wrecked me. He said, can people tell the difference from a really, really nice person and you being filled with the Holy Spirit? I'm like, ugh hurts. Stop assuming that you're good soil. And you know what makes our hearts good soil? Exactly what chapter 3 was talking about. Searching the length and the width and the depth, allowing God's word to just pour into our hearts, allowing God's love to see it in new lengths and new pictures and new ways. In Acts chapter 16, in a second, I'm going to read. But before that, I kind of want to talk about the summary building up to it. In Acts chapter 16, we see Paul and Silas in Philippi. Now, what happens in this chapter is it's kind of funny, but it's also kind of sad, and, it, and then it turns in really horrible, and then it kind of gets better. Uh, <laughs> but um, so Paul and Silas, they're walking around, and this woman... It says, it is possessed with the spirit and has a gift of fortune telling. It's following them around, it says, for many days. So what's your translation of many days? I don't know, but it sounds like too much. So for many days, she's following them around. And as she's following them around nonstop, she's yelling this. These men are servants of the most high God. These men are servants of the most high God. Just over and over. For many days, can you imagine that? Like, you're walking your dog. There's the woman again. These men are servants of the Most High God. You're at Trader Joe's trying to check out. This man's a servant of the Most High God. It's like embarrassing. You're looking around. The checker's looking at you like, who's that? Like, I don't know. She keeps following me. Um, you're on a date with your wife. You're doing this. And this, this right? For several, it says many days. Paul, it says, I love this. It says, Paul is annoyed. Understatement of the Bible, right? <laughs> it says, Paul is annoyed, and he turned to the lady and said, in the name of Jesus, go away. That's not what he said, but I, I, I would. Uh, and um, what happens is this, the spirit leaves her. Uh, she gets, she gets, you know, she gets, like, she's not possessed anymore. She, I mean, th th it's just awesome, right? They, this woman who was oppressed is now Free. Well, this woman was actually, again, I said earlier, she was a fortune teller, and uh, she had an owner, and she would make that owner 
rather wealthy with her gift. Now, what happened that the owner heard about this, he was furious. So they had authorities grab Paul and Silas and bring them forth, and they stripped them naked, and they beat them almost to death with rods, and they threw them in prison, and they locked them up. It's a bad day. It's a really, really bad day. And I've had bad days. I'm sure you've had bad days. Bad days that shake you. Bad days that just linger. I'm sure you've had a bad day that lingered weeks. A moment that just, it's unfair. Why did this happen? How come I had to go through this? God, I was doing this for you. I didn't do anything. How come, how come I received this? We're going to read in Acts chapter 16, and we're going to start in verse 25. It says, But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was this great earthquake and the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosened. And the keeper of the prison awaked from his sleep, seeing the prison's doors open, supposing that the prisoners fled, he drew his sword, it was, a, it was about to kill himself. And Paul called with a loud voice saying, do not harm yourself for we are all here. Then he called for a light, and he ran in. He fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas, and he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your whole household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house. And he took them that same hour that night, and, he wa- and they washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. Church, you know what the greatest, one of the greatest testimonies that you can tell? It's not, look how amazing my life is. Praise Jesus. One of the greatest testimonies that you can tell is that, look how jacked up my circumstances. Look how much this has beaten me up. Look how unfairly I've been treated. Look how I've been robbed and lied to and ran over. Great testimony, TJ. But I can still praise Jesus because what he has done in my life. I can still sing to him. I can still say, thank you, God. What I love about the scripture in embarrassment, I mean, naked, bloody, chained, in prison, every reason in the world to complain, every reason in the world to say, what is going on, God? Every reason in being in a pitiful situation to just, I just want pity. But no, they're saying, you know what? I will respond in praise and prayer. Because even in my worst situation, God is still greater, still bigger. I love that it says the prisoners were listening. Now, my favorite part about this, this, this 
this uh, aspect of the, the scripture is not Paul and Silas' response, which is a really good part. It's really good. <laughs> My favorite part of the scripture is not the earthquake and this miracle where, where all the chains fall off, the doors swing open, which is also a really, really cool part. My favorite part of the scripture, don't look at me sideways when I say this, is not even the part where the family, when, when the prisoner, he, gets, he gives his life to Jesus, praise God, that's what it's all about, and his whole family gets baptized, which is amazing, very amazing. What's amazing to me is the fact when the guard was about to kill himself, Paul says, we are all here. Now, Paul and Silas, they did not deserve to be there. But all the other prisoners that were in there, I guarantee, this is the inner prison, I guarantee there were criminals, murderers, thieves, rapists, whatever, that were in that prison. And their chains fell off too. And their door swung open. How come they didn't run? Isn't that weird? I believe they didn't run because they saw the freedom that that door represented and they saw the freedom that Paul and Silas had even when they were in chains. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3, therefore walk because there's people that are in chains that need to see that type of freedom. Walk in gentleness and faithfulness and humility and love. Walk worthy of the calling. I'm going to finish this with this verse right here. It's my favorite, favorite verse in the Bible. Genesis 50, 20. It says, but you meant evil for me, against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as to this day to save many people. When I was 17 years old, I went to a summer camp with all that junk, all that garbage, but it was this my encounter with Jesus that transformed me. That even in my darkest circumstance, even in my pain and my hate, I knew that he was with me. And he was willing to take every ounce of hate and frustration of pain in my life and exchange it with his life and his grace and his goodness. Paul's saying, walk. I want um, everyone in the room, do you mind um, just closing your eyes and bowing your heads with me? This morning, I wanted to give the same opportunity that I had 14 years ago. And that is to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge. That is to know the creator of the universe that knew you and loved you and shaped you in your mother's womb. This is the gospel that when we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. If you've never experienced Christ before, this is your chance. All eyes closed, all head bowed. If you're saying this morning, TJ, I want to know this uncommon love. That's you on the count of three. I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Go ahead and raise your hand if that's you. I want to know this love. I see your hand. 
God sees your hand. Fantastic. Do you mind, I'm sorry to embarrass you, do you mind standing up with us at church? Do you mind all, all standing up? Sir, I would love to talk with you and pray with you. And if you would, sir, I would actually ask if you can go to the, the, the table on the side. We'd love to talk to you after service. I want to know your name <laughs> and, and, and talk to you about what this means. Church, can we give it up? Can we give it up? Praise God. Thank you. It's one more group I want to talk to. I didn't share this at the last service. It says, therefore, walk. And I just want to encourage you to walk, to really walk, to be shaped. You know, what well, we've been shaped by the love of God. If you've been in church any time, if you've had experience with Jesus, you know this is love. It's after us. It pours into our hearts. But you know what? We need to walk. We need to go in the way that we were called. And God does amazing things when you do. I didn't, I didn't mean to even share this, but I had like eight people ask me at the end of last service. But even today, I mean, God still needs to do a lot of work, but... <laughs> But today, I'm blown away at God's grace. You know, my dad actually has a really good relationship with my boys. He lives in Arizona. He flies five times a year to go see him. Walk. There's people in your life that are in chains, and they need to see how we respond in love and joy and grace. And they need to see us respond to common situations very uncommonly. So this morning, I figured we would end our service in the same way that Paul and Silas responded. We did it with praise and worship and thanking Jesus for everything he's done in our lives. And I want to encourage you as well, at the end of service, I know you're going to eat sometime today. So might as well eat and help a kid go to camp. So let's, let's pray and we'll jump right into this. Jesus, you are above all. Jesus, you are capable. When we are not, you are strong. When we are weak, when we were broken, God, that you didn't throw us out, God, but that you, your love and your grace puts us together. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us. We give you all the glory this morning in Jesus' mighty name.